song you just heard is Dog of War by the Hell Yeah Babies, which means I'm Nick Bond. I'm Andy Miller. And this is how wrestling explains... Are you excited? Internationally excited, actually. Oh. Yeah, because we are talking about Cesaro. Andy, you actually interviewed Cesaro about 100 years ago, back when we were in college. 100 years ago, when we were college seniors. Yeah, participated in a little documentary about Chikara in spring of 2009. We interviewed Cesaro in... A little teeny tiny, it might even be generous to call it a VFW hall in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. More like a VFW closet. Um, I'll put it this way. In the main event that night, Bizarro stood on the second ropes and put his arms up and put his hands through the ceiling. <laughs> and he goes, raising the roof, literally, <laughs> and made himself laugh. So a few months later, we go to Chikara's King of Trios in Philadelphia at the ECW Arena. And at this point, I had cut off my um, luscious locks that I used to have. But Cesaro had also just recently cut off his uh, thinning hair, as I guess we had similar issues at the time. And he comes up to me in his thick-ass accent, and he he comes up to me and goes, Oh, you cut your hair! And it was just a really cool Cesaro being a person who recognizes other people, not being a character, not being a wrestler, just being a dude in a building. It's not that he has this larger-than-life personality, it's that he himself is larger than life. I remember you saying specifically, he's like the biggest person you've ever seen. I mean, TV does do him justice. We we just watched a few Cesaro matches where, dude, is freaking huge. Yeah, he's, a, he's enormous. He's actually, he reminds me a lot of Randy Orton in that way, where it's they're really big dude. They'll say things like, oh, he's very strong. They'll talk about powerful. his strength. He's powerful. Or with Randy Orton, they're like, talk about his long limbs. And they're like, yeah, it's because he's like six foot six, six foot seven. We watched a couple of uh, matches of his from the earlier days, but we wanted to focus on one. And we were both at the show, actually. It was the first ROH show in the main ballroom, the Hammerstein ballroom. At the Manhattan Center. And uh, I, if you watch this match, it's called A New Level. It is the main event. It is Claudio Castagnoli versus Nigel McGuinness. Uh, you can see me and uh, future guest and former guest Darren Jackson chanting the entire match for Nigel McGuinness because we're assholes. Marks. But, but to be fair to us, uh, Claudio is wearing one of the worst tights uh pants i don't have the words yeah i don't know what that because i don't know if, if they're we like were, if we were on another podcast i might ask you what bar his pants <laughs> resemble and i don't know if there's enough drugs to make us come up with the right answer to the question yeah it's kind of this weird chocolate velour with like the you get the swiss, swiss flags and his name yeah very awkwardly positioned and emblazoned on his leg he hadn't you can tell he kind of hadn't figured out his character but he had figured out a lot of his moves like you watch a lot of the stuff he does in roh though it's a very slow paced match we were watching the necro butcher uh morishima match from the same show and i had it at 1.5 and was like oh this match is really kind of slow i can't even imagine what it would have been like at actual speed nigel and claudia was obviously a better match but it's not what you're expecting from who would eventually become Cesaro. I expected a lot more going back, watching that match now. It's 11 years later, but wow, do they start slow. Yeah. It's shockingly slow to the point where I kind of can't imagine we got through it sitting there live. It's really surprising how I think when you look at Cesaro over the course of the shift in from Indies 
being kind of actually independent to indies being one of the the main source really for new WWE talent. And you can see why he was one of the guys that got picked up, but at the same time, why he wasn't like a, like CM Punk. Mm. And I think it's because like, there are things missing from him in terms of his overall character. And I think that like, it's shocking to think about ROH as like the Vanguard at the time and then watch it now and be like, I don't even know if it was good for the, I think like TNA probably put on worse and better matches. Does that make sense? I think TNA did better with worse wrestlers. Yes. But if we could double back to his character at this point, you have to consider that when Cesaro came to the U.S. and he kind of became a U.S. mainstay, he kind of had this a little bit of a goofy look when he still had longer hair and a little more facial hair. He'd wear these really, really awkward breakaway suits to the ring. And he called himself like the most money-making man. And it was a whole shtick. And then as he became a more serious wrestler, like the, the comedy shtick kind of faded away. So at this point, you could tell he's focused far more on his work and getting over as a worker and really catering to that really terrible Ring of Honor crowd in 2008 <laughs> that we were part of. We can say it. We're, we're members. There's a lot. There's a lot of transition happening. So he's clearly very focused in one area and is abandoning all character work as a whole because there really wasn't much of any in Ring of Honor at that point. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that when we're watching him, he's about three years away from being signed by the WWE. So he's kind of still putting it together. And you look at the some of the guys he's facing, like in his de- debut with Evolve Wrestling, uh, he's facing Bobby Fish, who eventually becomes a member of the NXT roster. Like, he's facing a lot of people. Nigel McGuinness was someone who was going to be signed by the WWE. And then they hit, he had the bicep injury. Many guys who got courted by WWE, some successfully, some not so much. And he was also, of course, uh king, king of wrestling with Chris hero. And, and cash is. Oh no. Yeah. And you were a big fan of Chris hero. I remember this. I sure was. I sure am. I don't think it's fair to say was because he's still, still going, still having good matches. His role has shifted. He's no longer, a star of the making he's more so helping to put over new stars but that is a tag team that you've seen some uh, uh some a decent amount of uh is it something that gets unlocked for cesaro do you think he's better singles or tag because he's a really we we watched a john cena match and then we also watched the sheamus cesaro uh, the bar versus uh dean ambrose and seth rollins and that match I think the Cena Cesaro match was great. I think the Bar versus Seth Rollins Ambrose match was like special. It's not that he's missing something; it's that he doesn't have like everything. And I think that any bad spots—not even bad spots, but less of less quality spots—are covered up by him being in a tag team. So he's just—he's basically like a perfect tag team wrestler and a very, very good singles wrestler. Is that fair to say? I was going to say, when he has his singles matches, because he has some really good singles matches, yeah. you never go, oh man, this guy is the best of all time. This guy's the next WWE champion. When he's in a tag team, he has those moments where you're like, oh my god, this guy is really friggin' amazing. This yeah. guy is so good. I think you get to see a little bit more of his creativity without him being overexposed as a singles guy. Yeah, it's not that he's a bad singles guy. It's that he's, he's fantastic. It's that he's so perfect for tag team wrestling. He's like a, if you were to create a tag team wrestler in a lab, it'd be a guy like Cesaro. I think tag team psychology lends itself perfectly to Cesaro 
where it's just like, no, it's here's this realm you can play in. You can be mean. You can pull off even more creative moves and you can work at a different pace than you can logically get away with in a singles match. Yeah, I think that's the other thing is that he he can actually go really hard the full 90, you know what I'm saying? Like, But he also has a problem of if he does that, he makes everybody else look like they're slouches. And so he has to kind of slow himself down to like keep pace with everybody. It worked in the John Cena match where he's constantly coming in, but that's John Cena. Not everybody can do that. It's hard for him to make other guys look good. And it's not him being a selfish wrestler. It's that like his style, he's such a physical marvel that it's really hard for people to keep up with him. And he's not quite the full enough package to put him in the main event, but his physical talent is clearly main event. That's a really good point. Like we buy... Cesaro in tag title main event matches. Yes. No doubt about it. If you, if you told me the bar versus who's the SmackDown tag champs right now, the Hardy boys, the Hardy boys. Yeah. If you told me it was the bar versus the Hardy boys for the tag titles in the main event of SmackDown worthy main event crowd should love it. I will love it at home. All in good stuff. Not all in. That's another company. We won't talk about them. Um, if you tell me that Cesaro in a singles match is main eventing raw, I'm kind of going to go, why? Yeah, unless he's a champion of some sort. Now, there's singles matches where you... The Cena match is just an amazing showcase of Cesaro as a singles wrestler. Cena is such a large man that Cesaro doing Cesaro things is actually impressive. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, if if he takes me and throws me around as a dude who's 5'11 and 180 pounds, okay. It's like throwing Daniel Bryan around. Yeah. Daniel Bryan was tall. Um, it's really not that impressive. Taking a dude who's seen a size, and they built him, I think, at 250 or so in that match. Yeah. And he could have easily been more. He could easily be, we walked around 265 in that match. Is just like, he, he does the suplex, the vertical suplex where he squats and then bumps. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, amazing, because you are lifting so much mass. Or the deadlift superplex from the outside apron into the ring. Really great showcases, but that's not stuff that you can do every week. Yeah, exactly. And have it be impressive every week. Where in a tag team match, you can do cool tag team shit and have it be cool every time you see it. Yeah, it's with Cesaro, it's less that it's that he has. uh, It's not a limited mood set at all. It's funny because when he was on the Indies, Cesaro was a big guy. So you'd have him wrestling guys in Chikara where he's basing for Quackenbush or for Ophidian. Smaller guys who are doing cool flippy shit around him and he's the powerhouse. And then he comes to WWE and he's not necessarily the giant anymore. And I think that's that's kind of, yeah, is he's not quite the size he needs to be for everything he needs to do to be like, yeah, you can just run him as Braun Strowman. Like, Braun Strowman's there. Not that Braun Strowman's anywhere near the athlete, but I don't think that's a knock against Braun Strowman. It's that Cesaro's such a freak athlete. So he can, like we said, work with anybody at any level, but to have him there week to week without a title, and there are reasons why I think they don't want to put a title on him necessarily. They might at some point, but I don't think it's going to be something they like. aren't going to Kofi Kingston him at any point. Not going to strap the rocket to you, kid. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's a knock against him. I think it's just like, I don't want to say his time has passed, but it is 
his point, the point in his career is he'd have to jump a level to become a guy, like you said, where it, like there are certain matches if he was facing Roman Reigns, but even then you'd be like, oh, he's going to lose to Roman Reigns. I think the problem right now for him is we don't know what his power level is as a singles competitor. And I think that's why it kind of worked because he was in kind of the same spot uh, when he went down and faced Sami Zayn in NXT in that two out of three falls match, which is always considered one of the great NXT matches. And what's crazy about that match is Sammy doesn't really have a chance, but Sammy's such a good baby face that Cesaro, it really feels like Cesaro is going to kill him. And the fact that he survives is impressive in and of itself, though I believe he loses to nothing. You know, all I really remember from that match is the first... The uh, cy- that Cyclone DDT where he jumps through the turnbuckle, the bottom turnbuckle. Jumping the over middle. the bottom turnbuckle from the outside, landing on the dude on the other side and hitting him with a little spinny tornado DDT. Yeah. Always impressive. Always looks cool. And that's it's that spot. It's the That one has a lot of very gifable moments. Mm. And it's uh, a match that really helps to helps you understand why Cesaro work because you said, Oh, I'm five foot eleven. Like Sami Zayn's like six foot one and 180 pounds at this point. And you can see why Cesaro would look good against guys like that. And I think if Cesaro were three or four years younger, he'd be able to work with guys at he'd be coming up in a way that he's kind of this is the point where you should already be in the main event if you're going to be in the main event unless you're like Chris Jericho. And I think that it, he, if he were younger, the fact that he's like slightly smaller in terms of his presence as like a Baron Corbin, like Baron Corbin's perfect right now because he's like a big guy, but he's not so big that he's towering over most of the people. He's just he's towering over a lot of the people, but yeah. that's also part of his character. Yeah, where he gets to be like, I'm not that good. When I'm a big bully, yeah, dick, exactly. Fuck you. Yeah, like he's just big enough that it's not like. Of course, he would destroy everybody, but he's big enough that it causes a problem. And I think Cesaro is like that size, but not the right age. And I don't like that's not his fault. Yeah, and you'll hear a lot of people who will say, the, "Well, why can't he be a top star? He should have been a top star." And some people's best value is not in being a world champion. Yeah. Bray Wyatt was a world champion, and he was a world champion. He's a tag team champion. But I think that I, I meant as a single. No, star. but People I, I think th- that like if you're not the WWE World oh, yeah. Champion, that you've done nothing of value. And I think that what I, I guess what I'm saying is that the tag team championship is a really important championship when it's being used the way that it's been used. When like even when him and Tyson Kidd, they were starting to give them a decent sized push with them being the best tag team, and then him and Seamus have had an actual run. They have a lot of pay-per-view matches, especially relative to other tag team champions. They work a lot on pay-per-view. They work a lot in important matches. They are important coons, which sounds silly, but like when you're heels the way they are, that's like an actual job. And, and part of their gimmick as a tag team made them a marquee name. Mm-hmm. Before they were the, and also Seamus, and also Cesaro on the on the match lineup. Yeah. And now they are, a, now they are a brand that you can put at the top of a card, and people go, right, "Yeah, I'm in." I'm and they, he was starting to get that with the real Americans, actually, with him, uh, Zeb, Zeb, 
that his name. Yeah, Zeb, Zeb Coulter. Little dirty Dutch Mantel. And uh, and Jack Swagger. That was something that actually worked with his character without having him have to talk. And I think that when you look at that and you look at the fact that like he came back, right? That's the thing with the NXT match with Sami Zayn is he comes back. If he was in NXT when Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens were coming up in NXT, if he was that that age group basically, I think we'd be looking at him in a lot different light. Because he would be coming up when all of the guys were Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, size guys, type of guys, and not like Randy Orton and John Cena and stuff like that. Like he's closer to them in terms of his like age curve. And I think that's part of his problem is that like the fact that he comes back to NXT for this match specifically, the Sami Zayn match, it's, indicative of like how he just missed out on the time that would have made him a main event star because he clearly has the talent this match is incredible it's paced perfectly and they do a really great job of letting both guys get all of their shit in and that's something you mentioned is that cesaro is really good at getting his shit in without making it look like he's doing it to get his shit in in the Cena match, he hits a ton of just nasty, mean suplexes, and he's going for cross faces, and he's going for logical submissions, where he's working Cena over with a pretty basic wrestling moveset. And then he comes out with Cesaro stuff, where you're like, oh, okay, that's going to put him away, because his basic stuff is almost putting Cena away. So when he breaks out a neutralizer, or sharpshooter, or a cross face, or the uh, that lifting uppercut that he does, that yeah, the Swiss, so much the Swiss death, death. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Um, all of those become and the psycho of, crusher. He also does the psycho crusher at one point. When you see Cesaro in a match, you get the whole Cesaro show. We talked about this with Booker T. They're both kind of. I think also if you would have had a guy like Cesaro, you look at a guy like Alex Wright. And you can see where that can go, that European style. Because when he first came out, when Cesaro first comes out to the WWE, he's like... Yodeling. Yodel, he's like a European rugby player, basically. He's on main event a lot. But he does get some rub because they clearly liked him. They're, they've always been willing to... And I think this is something you see uh, with the John Cena match is that people really do respect him. He's like a guy that has a lot of respect backstage in terms of his ability, like after that John Cena match, very famously, John Cena went out of his way to say like, you're the future. You should be up on in the main event every night. Like you're at that level. And you, in that match, you can tell he really is talent wise. There's, they're almost afraid to push him. And I'm not sure why, but I feel like you see that people want him to do well. People are willing to make him look good because he's going to make everybody look good because he's fucking Cesaro. You talk about people wanting him to look good, and it's two-pronged. Number one, people respect him for the athlete he is, and people respect him for the person he is. He is such a charming, personable person on such a basic level. It's really hard not to like meet him and just love him. Some people you meet, you go, that guy's a dick. Oh, that guy was nice to me, but he was kind of just putting on a show. This dude comes up to you and he just is Claudio. And it's really hard not to see him and root for him. Yes. 
especially if you get to know him. He's a very interesting guy, speaks a number of languages. He's a perfect... And how dare you compare him to Alex Wright? All they have in common is that they are from Europe and speak German. Yeah, I'm saying if WCW would have had someone like Cesaro, they would have given him the same gimmick. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Dance, monkey, dance. Yeah, exactly. It's And he kind of did have a Yoda. I mean, he, like that was part of his gimmick. They kind of wanted to make him into this like... In fairness, they also gave him Oksana. Yeah, Arr. which... Should be ashamed. Uh, <laughs> Just he, for you, buddy. He's and Oksana. <laughs> Am I the only one who remembers Oksana? No, I remember her Do having you think a... Oksana. Remembers Oksana? No, I, I think she'd block out that. Hopefully, years of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, Cesaro could never quite get up to where he needed to be in singles, and I think part of that is he's not a bad promo. He's not a great promo. And I think this is where being in a tag team has really done him a lot of favors. Yes. Because he and Sheamus can come out to the ring, each with a mic in their hand, and ping pong off of each other. Kind of in a way that the Usos have done over the last couple of years when they come out and do their thing. Neither one has to carry the promo. He doesn't need to be out front and center. Even though he is, it's not the Cesaro show on the microphone. And it hides him. It keeps him from having to cut a 20-minute Triple H promo. Because I, I love the dude. If that guy had to cut a 20-minute promo, I'm watching anything else. Yeah, he's someone who will would re- be very well served by having a mouthpiece. But if barring that... I see what you did there. He can work with someone. Because again, he's not a bad... It's not that he can't say anything. It's that being a good promo... At the level you need to be to even passably use his talent is like a you actually have to be better at promos because we've seen athletic like athletic guys that don't cut great promos don't get over. I think about it like the like go back to the eighties. Exactly, you had dudes who were magnetic personalities who reached through the TV and just captivated audiences. Your Hulk Hogan's, Randy Savage, Ric Flair. And those are good athletes, but they're not like... But people, the the casual viewer at home can't tell you a Hulk yeah. Hogan match. They can't name a Ric Flair match. But they can probably do a pretty solid Hulk Hogan promo impression. Yeah. They could probably, you know... Do they definitely like, do a Randy Savage. Cause I was going to say, like, they could probably do a really good bootleg Randy Savage. <laughs> Dollar Store Randy Savage is something in everyone's repertoire. And I think that you see guys like Sam Houston who are great athletes, and it's like, who gives a fuck about Sam Houston? Even Sting was a bad promo in the sense that he was uh, incoherent a lot of the time. But when he, he there, he brought an excitement. There was at least charisma. In Ultimate Bob Warrior. In yeah, Ultimate Warrior. You have to have charisma at the very least in a very specific way. And it's not that Cesaro isn't charismatic. It's that his charisma is... Tied up in his, like, the negative parts of his persona. Like, I think when he he comes off as, instead of charming, he comes off as smug. And I think that stops him from being a babyface. But his physical talents are such that you, like, want him to be a babyface. And I think that's where the disconnect might be. Because I've heard him talk a lot. 
he's not bad at all. It's just that's not his strong suit. But there's plenty of guys that are totally serviceable. He just has he would only really work with a mouthpiece that was wanted like a Kurt Angle that was a good guy who wanted thought he was a real talent and wanted to get him and eventually they'd have to turn heel. Like you couldn't keep that going forever. It would be great, but I don't think he needs I don't want to say he needs a mouthpiece to reach to the next level, but he either has to change the way he does promos or get a mouthpiece. I think he can't he cannot continue to be the same kind of wrestler that he was uh, the same kind of talker he was even with Sheamus. Like he's too snarky. I don't ever see him taking that next step to the next level. I think Cesaro always is that mid-card to upper mid-card, really good hand, can step into a main event without being a main eventer. Unless he's in a tag team, in which case he can be in a, he can be in a top spot. So I guess I, what, what I'm asking out of that is his feud with Sheamus basically is that Sheamus, the ultimate result is that Sheamus will always have had a better career and been more successful. Like Seamus is a On better, paper. a better version, a more successful version of what Cesaro could have been. Like the big bruising, bruising guy that like can switch between babyface and heel because like they're such natural talents that you you're kind of drawn to them, and they can cut like okay. It just feels like Seamus. Seamus steps up and becomes larger than life when he needs to. I, is that it? Is that that is that what gives Cesaro that larger than lifeness? Is that what gives Seamus such a good way with Cesaro in terms of bringing out the best in Cesaro? Is that he's too real a person, Cesaro is, to really... I'm sitting here nodding my head as if anyone can see it. <laughs> but yeah, I think so. Because I always look at Cesaro as... That's that's a strong man. That's oh wow, that's a really cool athletic thing this man just did. When he's with Seamus, they are they become characters. They become Seamus elevates Cesaro as the character. Where I think Cesaro pulls Seamus up as far as a total package worker. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this as a guy who thinks Seamus is a really good worker. I'm not taking anything anything away from Seamus. Yeah, we think, love both of them. We're huge fans of the bar. Because right. I think the best match that we want I mean, obviously, Sammy is a great match, and so is a Cena match, but, like, we both marked out... Because I think the Cesaro-Sheamus feud and the Best of Seven series and all that stuff is kind of something we've seen before, Booker T and... uh, Some other guy. Yeah, some other guy. Um, You've seen it a couple of times, but I feel like that one was so specifically made to put them in a tag team that it felt like it didn't matter very early on because you could see the way in which they were starting to like respect each other and how that was going to lead to them being a tag team. Like it wasn't a real shock when they were like, you two are going to fight together. It was like, yeah, okay. I can see that. Like you guys clearly have some sort of chemistry, but it's not like burn the place down chemistry. It's like, we seem like we could have fun together beating up people. Like, which I think is a good way to go, but I think it's partially because, again, I think you're right that Cesaro doesn't make you want to, like, follow him into battle. You're like, he's really good. 
and Seamus's entire thing is like I remember every show we used to go to you could see little kids doing the 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 Seamus like beating their chest and sticking their arms out thing like he was super over because of that larger than life thing I what I think is weird with Cesaro and I love him but I think in the way that a lot of guys that we've covered, a lot of guys and girls that we've covered, Cesaro feels, Cesaro feels like he's so much less than the sum of his parts. And that's not to say he has had a bad career, but that like it really feels like he has a lot of gifts, including being a decent promo and just can't quite be better is that like i don't dislike but i what i've struck me watching a lot of the matches is that like once they get going they're good but you kind of don't you have to like every match get interested in cesaro again he's that guy that the announcers are always telling you how underrated he is without ever really explaining why he's not in a position to not be underrated and I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about, where it's like, we're always telling you why he's so good, or we're always telling you that he's better than you think he is. And we're not really going to let him show that. I guess, yeah, sometimes it feels like he's really held back by, I don't want to say the booking, he doesn't want to put himself over. And I wonder if, because as of this recording, the bar is broken up. I think Seamus is hurt, maybe maybe be retiring that kind of because he's been hurt for a while less like a not a catastrophic injury but like he bang might, up. Bang, yeah like and i saw so cesaro you may see as a singles competitor do you think he's learned something from a sheamus that makes the sammy match like watching the nigel match he doesn't feel like he should be a main eventer in wwe he feels like a good wrestler that eventually make it to the wwe and when he's facing sammy he doesn't feel like a main eventer he feels like a guy he feels like a pro player going and outplaying the best college player. And then you watch him with John Cena and he doesn't, it's not that you would be surprised if he won that match. It's that you would know. It, I, I don't know if this is fair to say. I think you watch that match and you go, I don't think he has a chance of beating John Cena if that's a world title match. And then you look at his stuff with Sheamus and you're like, they're, neither of these guys are probably going to win anything important at this point in their career. So why are they feuding? Is it really just to put Sheamus, or like uh, Cesaro over Sheamus? And you realize, oh, it's to put them together. And then you have this like tag team version of Cesaro. Like, can he piece all of that together and come out of it as like a new character that's learned from all of this stuff? Or do you think he's just going to be... He's going to act like nothing happened. I feel like he doesn't carry anything forward with him. Like the Cesaro character. Like nothing stays canon. Nothing, it's not even nothing stays canon. It's that nothing. He's like Teflon. Is it, he's, is it sitcom Cesaro where yes. everything resets? Yes. That's exactly what it's like. It's like he never, he's almost like, and I, I'm not just saying this because next week's topic, but he feels like an action star that doesn't get hurt. And like after the third movie, you're like, okay. I get it with Cesaro, but like, can he be vulnerable at any point? Can I ever feel like he should lose a match 
just because the other guy was better than him and not that the other guy beat him. Like, I want him to not feel like a cyborg. I want him to feel like... But he is the Swiss cyborg. And I think that's, like, the Swiss Superman, I think, was, like, a good character. The Swiss cyborg, I think, like, is a little too on the nose in terms of, like, why it's a bit of a disconnect. He's kind of like a wrestling robot. And he hasn't... And not in a like I think he's an interesting guy, and that's the weird thing is that disconnect between like fun Cesaro and serious Cesaro, and then wrestling Cesaro. Like he can be serious, and he can be fun, or he can be robot Cesaro, and he can't kind of be like fun but serious Cesaro, where it's like fun to watch, but he is beating the shit out of a guy and enjoying himself while doing it. He kind of just goes from one spot to another. And I, I wonder if that's something he's going to lose once he becomes a singles competitor again, that he kind of had. I don't see it happening unless they get him away from, hey, here's a feud with Cesaro where they're just having good matches. Yeah, I think he needs to have, a, I don't want to say a bad match. He has to have a match where like stuff happens. and he. I, I think he needs a story to tell besides, yes. here's a good match. Besides the, besides the story in the ring. Because the best fuse, the best characters, the most memorable things in wrestling have some storytelling element outside of what happens in the wrestling ring. There's I, character work. There's there's personal growth and journey and adventure. And that's what we don't get with Cesaro. It's join us next week where Cesaro becomes a beekeeper. Yeah, and it's... It almost feels like so. One of the, like we mentioned earlier, the Cena match. After the Cena match, he go comes out of his way to goes out of his way to praise Cesaro as a really talented guy. If they would have like pushed that the next week on Raw, it feels like they want he's a guy that the players would all vote to the All Star team, and the WWE is like, you're not, we're not letting you elect Tenth him. Man. Ten, like exactly like cool well you'll be a reserve and it's like no we want him as a starter and they're like sorry mm, utility backup. yeah th- he's good but like not that good and i feel like that is something which is why i think like we said or at least i said i don't know how you feel the best match out of all the ones we covered is the cesaro and uh so it's the bar versus ambrose and rollins and it's because he breaks his teeth and still wrestles the match. It actually reminds me a lot of the John Cena match where he breaks his nose against Seth. I, so I specifically requested this match, the tag match. And I remember the tooth spot, obviously. Yeah. I didn't remember that the next like fucking five spots all involve people touching or hitting Cesaro directly in the face. And he does not miss a beat the entire match. He, he hits maybe 10 spots in a row with Rollins. Smooth, good wrestling, like nothing was wrong. Tags out and goes over and sees the doctor. But never with two of his teeth pushed up into his gums. Like, I'm cringing. I'm, I'm literally physically cringing thinking about it. Dude's unbreakable. Yeah, he it's really an incredible performance. And it, it reminds me so much of the John Cena getting his nose broken by Seth Rollins and putting on a great match because it forced him to wrestle like someone who had his teeth shoved down his throat. It makes him vulnerable. Yeah. It makes him vulnerable and it makes him actually have to like take stuff differently and not work a different match, but work a match that's more about 
making everything look good and smooth, not taking stuff on the chin, not letting the dude stiff you. It's about like allowing your actual artistry to come through. Not, it almost feels like Cesaro likes fake fighting do or like fighting dudes at half speed more than he likes putting on an entertaining match per se. And it's not that his matches aren't entertaining. It's that he likes the wrestling part of wrestling absolutely more than the sports entertainment part of wrestling. Like, I think he'd be very interesting in AEW because he's a guy who is such a top-notch wrestler, and that's not necessarily what we're expecting from our top-notch sports entertainers. He's not a sports entertainer. He's very much a wrestler. And with you, with the bar, you see the ways in which they're like Demolition, and they're like the Road Warriors, and they're like a couple of other tag teams. I feel like instead of AEW, I'd rather see Cesaro in modern New Japan, mm-hmm. where crazy work rate and being a tough guy and just coming out and having great matches is a character. Yeah, it almost, I could see uh, Cesaro and Sheamus remind me of like the Road Warriors mixed with the uh, the Bam Bam Bigelow and uh, Vader tag team that was champion for about a, like a couple of months in Japan for the IWGP tag team champions, where they just came around and they beat the shit out of people they, in and out in like six months, one of the most destructive tag teams in history. And I think... Cesaro and Sheamus could have been in a different world along those lines of like them or uh, the Steiner brothers, stuff like that. The road war, like they really could go there and just have beat the shit out of people because they're, he's a wrestler so much more than he's a sports entertainer. That's not to say he's not entertaining, but like he doesn't do a lot of the, he's the guy that runs into the crowd and, and we hate the, Beach balls. Fucking beach balls. But, like, I get his anger. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like he is the guy that goes in. He's the one, and I understand it's a heel thing. Respect my art. Respect my art. And it's like, yeah, but you also have to, like, actively kind of... I don't want to say entertain us, because I love uh, Cesaro. I love him. I understand why he kind of comes off as the asshole gym teacher every once in a while. And I think Cesaro makes him the cool... Like, they're, like, the coach, they're two, like, assistant coaches that, like, you like on your team because, like, they kind of even each other out. Where, like, Cesaro is very serious, and I wonder if him at the end of this will be less serious because Seamus is such a fun character. He's such, like, a, not a party animal, but a guy that likes to have a good time and also beat up people. I think kilted Top Gun Cesaro showed us that we can we can see a different side of him without it killing his character, without it killing his work, but also him showing ass a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that even if he doesn't have anything past this, I think the Cesaro, Seamus, the bar tag team really put him into the, like that hall of fame class of guy, because you watch, like we said, you watch this match. It is awesome. It's uh, no mercy in 2017. And there are spots where we both fucking knew that Seth and Dean were winning, spoiler alert, and still fell for some of the end spots. It's such a well-constructed match, and it feels like a match they could have changed the ending on the fly because of, like, you could imagine Vince calling in up front. Sheamus is a 
you guys are actually winning this match because of like the visual of Cesaro fighting with his teeth halfway up his face. Like, right. I think that that's the type of match. It really feels like you're getting the whole idea of what makes Cesaro great. So you mentioned the hall of fame and for me, the bar as a hall of fame act works the same way. The new day as a hall of fame act Mm -hmm. where before they came together, floundering, maybe not so interesting, totally talented, but pre-New Day, wrestling fans are pretty sick of Kofi Kingston. Yeah. Wrestling fans besides you were pretty sick. People got a little bored with Kofi the way they got bored with Ziggler, where they needed a refresh. Yeah, I See, Ziggler never got the refresh. <laughs> he changed his pants a few times. <sighs> He's here to show the world. And nobody cares. I <laughs> um, would same as Seamus and Cesaro, same deal. They were both kind of just, they were just there. Yeah. Just doing their thing. And them coming together gave them a fresh coat of paint they badly needed, gave them a refresh. And it took them both to a new level, even though Seamus is a former WWE champion, multi-time WWE champion. Yeah. It still elevated him to a, a level where he really hadn't been before. And it, they are most definitely future Hall of Famers as a tag team. Yeah, so, I mean, ultimately, he's had a pretty good career. We're not saying that. And I don't want to make it sound like we we usually just very positive. But I think when you watch Cesaro, there is this sense of disappointment, and it goes beyond booking. It's that I, we usually have promos. There's no real great Cesaro promo. And I there's no there's not a lot of great... Cesaro moments outside of matches, but the matches are incredible for the most part. Even the Nigel match is a good match. It's just ROH in 2008 isn't exactly like people want to think it's setting the world on fire, but it's kind of later. It's like a TNN version of ECW ECW where you're like, Oh, it's, it's still, it's all right. It's like not what you're thinking it is. So success in wrestling is a term that should come with an asterisk. Because it's not something you can tangibly measure. Mm-hmm. A lot of wrestling fans will say that if you weren't WWE champion, your run was a failure, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think, think fair, I but... don't think that's fair to say at all for Cesaro. Because he's been there at this point eight years, mm-hmm. give or take. Has been a multi-time tag team champion with some incredible tag team partners. Having incredible runs former United States champion, a variety of uh, gimmicks and characters to, well, kind of, and has stayed relatively fresh the whole time. Even kept if at least one of his names. Yes. He, he managed to not lose both of his names. He could be says tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe Aro. Maybe just row. <laughs> row, row, row. Oh wait, they just changed the guy named Aro's name. Yeah. Sorry. Hashtag Viking experience. Hashtag Viking Raiders. Oh my god! They changed it again. Don't worry. Are they the Viking Raiders now? Yeah. Isn't that that's? This is why I stopped watching Raw. That is much better though. The Viking Raiders is much better than the Viking Experience. Like they, if they would have just called them the Viking Raiders, they'd have been like, oh, okay, we get that. Like we don't want war on television. They've been like, all right, not but like the Viking Experience. Like, are they like a an LSD trip? Like, what the fuck? I mean, for in, in all fairness, in the war thing, the name of the show was Raw is War. Yeah, and then they changed that to America's favorite television show, Monday Night Raw. Hank. What? 
Black Baby Boy. You got a whole fucking thing. All right. Um, yeah, so I guess now that we've solved whether or not Cesaro had a successful career, which, I mean. He did. Yeah. If you don't like it, suck it. I have two words for you. Cesaro swing? Yeah. No. Uh, so uh, now that we've solved uh, racist. No, that was like four episodes ago. We, we now solve we've racism solved... every week. Every week, Nick. No better no better combination to solve racism. Than Who two better than guys. Canyon and Canyon's friend? Also J- Canyon. <laughs> James Mitchell? Uh, Mortis? I have the question I've been thinking about the entire time, which is who of all time in the history of wrestling do you think would have made the best manager for Cesaro? Do I count? No. Okay, good. Um, like somebody somebody's heard of or cares about. I, listen, I'll have you know, I've signed two autographs <laughs> in my wrestling career. Two. And the combined age of the people asking for you to sign were? Probably like 17. Okay, so two eight-year-olds. Congratulations. Yeah. Must be so proud. Make your goddamn... Hey, listen, John Cena sold a lot of kid-sized t-shirts. <laughs> That's where the money's at, motherfucker. <laughs> let's let's move it along, pal. Who, yeah, yeah. Other than you, who would Cesaro's best manager be? If we want Cesaro to be a top contender, mm-hmm. Sherry. Yeah, I think she'd be great. I think she would add that level of like, no, go fuck them up legitimacy yes. that she gave to Harlem Heat or early heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels. And Savage too. She yep. made it, she like really, Dave and I talked about, they, he really becomes completely unhindered. Like physically his appearance becomes a lot crazier. She adds, becomes a scary heel. Yeah. And I think Cesaro also becomes a scary heel and you don't even have to have a relationship between them. It can be very much Harlem Heat. I mean, you could, especially in the prime, I think it would have worked really well uh, in like her prime meeting. Like the 80s, you have a character like Cesaro. Like that would have been a fucking like fire gimmick. Actually, this one's weird uh, because technically he was his manager. But uh, Paul E. Dangerously. Dangerous Alliance era Paul E. Dangerously with the cell phone. I think he's a perfect kind of guy for... A Paul E. Dangerously to work with. He would have fit perfectly in the Dangerous Alliance. Perfectly. With Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco and those kind of guys. He would have been heavy as a pig and shit. They would have just... Bobby Eaton. Like, he's on that level. He's that type of guy. Uh, stunning Steve Austin. Maybe not that level. But, like, he... Actually, no, maybe Stunning Steve Austin. Stunning is Steve, I think they yeah. could have actually been a solid team together. Yeah, exactly. I think he's at that level of the Bobby Eatons, the Arn Andersons. The, the best guys never win a world title. I think he, in terms of talent and ring talent, he's right there at that level. And I think Paulie Dangerously, in particular, maybe so than Paul Heyman, Paulie Dangerously would have been a really great character. And that cell phone would have been a perfect way that, to make sure Cesaro never lost. What about Cesaro with the Horseman? I think he would have been really great. I think he would have been a great replacement for Barry Windham. But not anybody in the original four. I don't think he works like... I don't think he replaces Oli, and he's obviously not going to replace Arn Tully or Rick. What if he replaces Steve Mungo McMichael? Nope. 13th greatest horseman. 12th. 12th greatest horseman. Okay, what if he replaces that Canadian guy with the gap teeth and the strangulations? 
<laughs> okay. Do you have anything to plug? <laughs> Things to plug, huh? Yeah. All right. So uh, every month you can join me at NYWC on Long Island, New York. Uh, NYWCWrestling.com. NYWC Wrestling on Twitter and Instagram. NYWC, NYWC New York Wrestling Connection on Facebook because that rolls off the tongue. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Andy Miller JMS, where I rarely tweet. Uh, and you can check me out at the next year. That's T H E N 1 C K S T E R. You can check us out at HowWrestlingExplains.podbean.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at HWETWPod. Uh, this episode will be coming out on Wednesday. And again, the Pod Beyond will be coming out with Rich Kaysen and I on Saturday at 6 or 5 somewhere. Whether or not it's the Eastern Seaboard is up to me. Uh, <laughs> Full booking power. Don't you but. It will come out at a uh, a time in space. Oh. We're 6.05, so maybe like 9.05 Pacific Standard Time would be 6.05. Works for me. Yeah, and I'll figure to, it out. We have to make a point. Five-star reviews. Five-star reviews on the This iTunes. is Dave Meltzer watching New Japan. Yeah. Nothing but five stars. Nothing less. If you are on a platform that has six stars... You motherfuckers give us six stars. I don't want a six and a quarter. Though. That shit's weird. I, we, we do not work in fractions. Cesaro, you were drafted in the sixth round to Raw. How are you feeling about all of this? Well, first of all, I'm not too happy to be drafted. You know, what was it 17th in the sixth round? Uh, I have a feeling that I should be drafted a little bit higher. I was hoping to be at least top 10. And then, uh, you know, just looking at the rosters and uh, what the uh, G- the GMs talked about yesterday, how SmackDown is going to be the, the wrestling show and, uh, you know, all about in-ring product and, uh, you know, all about the superstars and not necessarily about, the, you know, the GMs and you know, that whole drama. I feel like I would have probably been a better fit for SmackDown, but just like in my career so far here, I think there's always, uh, you know, a little stumble block and whatever I have to overcome. So, um you know, I'm looking forward to being on the flagship product. That's uh, trying to see the positive, uh, being on the flagship product, the WWE Raw. And, uh, you know, that's where Cesaro belongs. Well, speaking of GMs, how do you think that our the, the Raw general manager, Mick Foley, and Stephanie McMahon being the commissioner, how do you think they'll coexist? Uh, honestly, that's part of the problem that you just asked me that question because I don't really care. I think... Raw going forward needs to be about the superstars. It needs to be about uh, the performers in the ring and not about what the, what the, you know how Stephanie McMahon and Mick Foley coexist. They need to be there to mediate and make the best show. But it do, that does not need to be the focus. So the focus needs to be on the superstar who got drafted. You know we have we have Seth Rollins, we have New Day, uh, we have uh, um, Finn Balor coming up from NXT. Those are the people we should be here talking about. But we're talking about Stephanie McMahon and Mick Foley, which uh, is annoying to me because a lot of people talk a lot. You know, it's always a lot of talking, and you haven't heard me talk that much. It's actually great. I can be here to talk, and people can see I can actually speak. You know, my brain can form thoughts that come out through my mouth. The problem is sometimes I stumble words because I speak five different languages. We know all that. So the thing is, I like to speak the language that everybody speaks all around the world. WWE Universe loves. That's the language of wrestling that I do in the ring. That's what I do best. That's why I always deliver. This is our own raw. Here among the poor, sad, despicable, oppressive, misinformed. Let me have for you to bite your tongue secure. And the promise that you're right.